When we think about the Jesus of the New Testament, the one who was born of Mary, who suffered and died, we often think of him as meek and lowly, but it's the same Jesus who showed up in great force to defend his people. It's the same Jesus who came as the commander of the Lord's army, who showed up here when people, his people, were facing impossible ridicule and assault and opportunities they cannot say no to. When they were faced with all this temptation to turn away from him, to trust in other gods and themselves even. The same Jesus of the New Testament is the one who shows up then to defend and protect his people. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. We declare in this creed that we believe this Holy Spirit is the one through whom Jesus was conceived. We see in this video there at the end, this promise Jesus gives that he will send the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to come to our aid and to our rescue. We also say something in that creed that I find often quite uncomfortable. Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. It's really tempting for me to think about Jesus as this wonderful, sacrificial love, right? Everything's good when you have Jesus. Jesus is kind and compassionate, really the first Mr. Rogers, the perfect neighbor, right? It's really tempting for me to think about Jesus in that light, the one who heals the sick and plays with children and provides 600 gallons of wine for a party, And to think, that's the Jesus I really like. And yet, we confess that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Does that make you uncomfortable at all? Jesus as your judge? Jesus who will hold a record of all things you've done right and wrong. And he will judge says in Revelation that when that day of judgment comes, he'll judge according to the deeds that you have done. Will they measure up? Well, I'm not nearly as bad as that person, so it'll probably be okay, right? Surely I haven't killed or committed adultery, and yet this same Jesus who's the judge says if you look lustfully at anybody or if you have anger in your heart, you've done both of those things. Jesus is coming as a judge. Are you ready? See, oftentimes when we look at the Bible, we look at the Old Testament and we see that's the angry, wrath-filled judgment guy. 
And then comes Jesus, and he's like a change of heart, suddenly the soft, kind, compassionate God, filled with mercy. And we see sometimes the Old Testament's one God and the New Testament, that's the, the new and improved 2.0, the version I really want. What if they're the same God forever? And all that judgment and stuff we see in the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. Does that make you uncomfortable? In this series, we're looking at where we see Jesus in the Old Testament, where Jesus was before he was born, before Christ. See, Jesus always has been, never was there a time that he wasn't. And yet we often think that in that moment of his birth, that's when he came to be. So we're looking at the Old Testament where we see places where Jesus shows up in pretty powerful and remarkable ways. And what does that mean for us today? Today we're going to look at a story first in Joshua chapter 5. You're welcome to follow along in your own Bibles or uh, on your phone if that's what you prefer. Joshua chapter 5. Here's the setting. The people of Israel were freed by God from Egypt. They were enslaved, and they go out into the wilderness to worship him, and lo and behold, they do what they're really good at doing. They grumble, and they complain, and they don't trust God, and as a consequence, God says, this entire generation will miss out on the promises I have for you. But your children, they will go into the land that I've prepared, and your children will receive this blessing. And so sure enough, the whole generation has passed away except for Caleb and Joshua, the two who were uh, faithful and called by God to lead the people into this promised land. And they've just crossed over the Jordan River through a miracle of God where he parted the river. They just crossed over this river and now they're standing in the land that God has promised would be theirs. All the blessings, all the goodness, all of his faithfulness, it's at their fingertips There's just one small obstacle, a city called Jericho. You ever heard of Jericho? It was a uh, well-defended city, a city with great and mighty walls, a city that they thought would never fall, and this was their first stop to the promised land. God, how should we have these promises and live in cities we did not build and and eat from vineyards we did not plant? How should we have all of your goodness when this is what lays before us. And Joshua meets somebody. There as they're waiting for Jericho, as they're figuring out now what, Joshua encounters God. Here's the story, chapter 5, verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in hand. Joshua went to him said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? I love this. Joshua sees this man with this big sword standing before them. And he goes, hey, look, are you an enemy or are you like going to fight with us? Are you one of us or against us? And, And then the response is what I often like to do and it drives people nuts. Oftentimes, and this certainly will drive my wife nuts, when I'm asked an either or question, my answer is just yes. Or no, right? Like, could it be this or could it be that? Yes. It could be one or the other. And that's how it's responded here. He says, look, are you for us or are you against us? Are you one of us or are you our enemy? And this man responds, no, 
Wait, no, you're not for us? No, you're not our enemy? What, what do you mean, no? No. He said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. Does that sound familiar at all? Just last week we looked where God appeared in a burning bush. The angel of the Lord shows up to Moses and out of that bush that's not consumed, he speaks. He says, take off your sandals for this place is holy. See, it's only in the presence of God that anything becomes holy. And here this one who is a man, two things. First, Joshua bows down to worship and he doesn't rebuke him. See, anytime a normal angel would show up, if the person were to offer worship, the angel would say, no, 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 don't worship me, just Yahweh, just him. But this man with the sword shows up, the commander of the army of the Lord, he shows up and he receives that worship. And not only that, he declares to Joshua, this space where you are at is now holy. While the phrase, the angel of the Lord, is not here in this story, this is clearly Jesus coming to Joshua. He's the one who leads the army of the Lord, who goes forth with the sword in his hand. It describes in Revelation that when he comes, he'll come with the sword. In Hebrews, it describes that the word of God is like a double-edged sword that cuts even the heart and soul. The very word of God, which John in his gospel says becomes flesh. Jesus is this one who wields a sword, who comes as a sword to speak, but also to lead. The commander of the Lord's army. You see, before Joshua was a task that by all human standards was impossible. Before him was a purpose and a calling. This is what I have for you, declares the Lord. And yet, how could he accomplish it? We see this commander of the Lord's army show up in other places where they're facing impossible odds. The task before them is something no man can do. And this commander of the Lord's army shows up and opens eyes so they can see a whole host of heavenly beings prepared to fight on behalf of the people of God. Now we live in the West in a culture that thinks reason and rationality is the foremost and utmost importance of all things. And so the idea of spiritual warfare or angels or demons fighting around us often seems like weird fiction we'd see in a movie, but not reality. Joshua, as he's prepared for this battle, he goes and he sees this man with the sword who we can see because of what he says is God. And this one who is God has come to fight on their behalf. Just pause there for a moment before we jump ahead. Where do you need God to fight for you? 
What lies before you that is impossible, that you cannot do alone, that only his help would make a difference? Last week, I had the opportunity to get together with some friends and play uh, some games. We used to do that a lot, and then kids came along, and it just doesn't happen nearly as much because bedtime and stuff. And so we're playing some games, and he was telling me about something profound, a moment in his life where uh, somebody was speaking into him, and he said, you know, I realize this. When we become defensive... When somebody comes against us and we become defensive and try to defend ourselves or our character or our actions or our situation, when we become defensive, it's often because we don't trust Jesus will be our adversary. We don't trust he will fight for us and we feel the need to defend ourselves. Have you ever been there? Joshua is facing this impossible task on the front end of all the promises of God. And before he does anything, God shows up and speaks. The commander of the Lord's army is here. It'll be okay. Fast forward several centuries. The Israelites have conquered the land. They're living in the land. They have kings. And many of these kings are pretty terrible. In fact, the nation has now split into two different nations, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And these people, they don't always get along. These two nations that are actually one, the people of God. And what we see throughout the story of Scripture is that time and time again, they both turn away from God and follow in their own footsteps. They do what seems right to them, what feels good in the moment. They worship any God that seems fitting. And as God had promised, that brings pain and sorrow and suffering. When they turn to do their own thing and not trust in him, it causes hurt. And so what happens is this great nation called Assyria comes in and conquers the north, completely obliterates them, sends them into exile, and all that's left is Judah. And Judah sees this large army at their doorstep. At the time, there's a man named Hezekiah who is the king of the people of Judah. And this king, he is a righteous king. See, most of them were not. Most of them did whatever they wanted and time and time again you read they did what was right in their own eyes and they were worse than their fathers. Each generation seemed to be worse than the previous. But Hezekiah, he was a righteous king. And Hezekiah finds himself in a predicament. This massive army that's conquered most of the Middle East and the known world at the time, this massive army that is brutal and savage and will destroy anybody who stands against them, this massive army that knows no bounds and worships whatever God they want, now comes knocking at his door. And not only this, one of their prophets comes and begins to speak to the people of Judah and begins to warn them. Have any of these other nations' gods saved them? Have any of these other nations' gods been there to fight for them? What makes you think your God will be any different? And they're taunting and they're, they're creating terror. This prophet, he's speaking to the people saying, turn now, hand yourself over, it will be okay. Because otherwise we will kill you because your God is not enough. Be really tempting 
when you're faced with impossible odds and you hear these lies, will your God be there? Will he fight? Will he defend? Will he have your back in time of need? It's really tempting to hear those words and say, of course not. Perhaps I should do it myself. Maybe this one little compromise won't be so bad, it'll work out in the end. But the people of Judah, under Hezekiah's leadership, they refuse. This is what happens. Second Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. You see, any city that was surrounded by walls, one of the ways they would wear down that city and conquer it is they would surround it with their army and they just randomly shoot arrows and other things just trying to hit somebody, but they would do that while in the process of building a siege mound, a giant ramp that would basically go up to the top of the wall and this siege could last several years. So you'd be holed up in the city for years upon years just hoping that you can wear out the other army and outlast them. And Assyria was really good at coming to large cities and building these siege ramps and conquering these cities and then devouring and destroying everything. The Lord, he says, they will not cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Imagine being Hezekiah and the people of God, hearing this lie that says your God is not enough and hearing this promise, I will defend you. What do you choose to believe? See your neighbors to the north, the Israelites, who were your people, your kinsmen, God didn't defend them. Why will he for you? Then comes this remarkable moment. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Think about that for just a moment. Here in this moment of impossible turmoil, God shows up and promises to defend. Not only does he promise to defend, Jesus himself, the angel of the Lord, goes out in the middle of the night and strikes down 185,000 of them. Could you picture half of, or all of Neyland Stadium and then more, just people dead? I don't want to picture that. That sounds horrible. Here comes Jesus to defend his people, and he does so by killing this massive army. And those that are left, they flee and they're terrified because they see surely your God will fight for you. When we think about the Jesus of the New Testament, the one who was born of Mary, who suffered and died, we often think of him as meek and lowly, 
but it's the same Jesus who showed up in great force to defend his people. It's the same Jesus who came as the commander of the Lord's army who showed up here when people, his people, were facing impossible ridicule and assault and opportunities they cannot say no to. When they were faced with all this temptation to turn away from him, to trust in other gods and themselves even. Same Jesus of the New Testament is the one who shows up then to defend and protect his people. And here's the promise for you and me that is exactly what we need today. When we face those trials and temptations, when we face that obstacle that we cannot face alone, when our life is falling apart and it seems our enemy is surrounding us, we have the same Jesus, the commander of the Lord's army, who would see that our greatest enemy is not the people around us, but death itself. And this Jesus would come not as one to conquer with a sword, but as one to be conquered with a spear, one to be conquered with nails in his hand, one to be conquered that he would overcome. And whatever battle we fight or enemy we face, or struggle seems impossible, we have that Lord to defend us. And so we come back to this idea that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. The same one who would in one night kill 185,000 is coming to judge. There's really, really good news for those of us who need it. If you're here and you are a person who is imperfect, if you're here and your life is not always put together, there's this promise that for those who are sinful, Jesus has come. The judge of the universe, the one who is perfect, who fights on our behalf, would come for those who are not worth it to declare that you are worth it. All of it. And this promise is that when we seek to live this life out according to our strength and our ability and our knowledge and when we seek to fight all our temptation by what we can do, we will fail. But when we surrender it to him, we say, Jesus, you can do what I can't. He comes not as a judge against us according to all of our deeds, but a judge who comes for us to defend and protect and make all things right. In fact, that same place in Revelation where it says he comes and he judges according to our deeds, it follows it up by saying, and those who were written in the book of life, they go on to life not according to their deeds, but because your name has been written in his book by him. And so for you and me, in all struggle and trial and temptation, is Jesus enough to fight for you, to defend you, to remind you that he's not an angry judge coming to kill, but a judge coming to restore all of your brokenness and sinfulness to life.
Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are a judge for us when we are tempted to defend ourselves, when we believe that you are far from us, when we face impossible tasks, things you've called us to, that we do not know how to do on our own. Would we know that you are the commander of the Lord's army, the one who fights battles we can't even see, the one who gives everything that we might live, who has conquered even death itself. So may we stand as your church victorious, declaring that you have conquered every enemy. May we trust in your promises. May we hope that you are the judge coming to judge the living and the dead. And this is good news for all who are broken and weary and brought into you. We thank you for your spirit that gives us boldness to declare to the world around us that you will fight for us and be everything we need you to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we continue by collecting an offering. And our offering in this place is not something we collect uh, because it's required or because God expects it of you. We collect an offering in this place as an opportunity to say, God, I wanna trust you with my finances and I wanna partner with the things you're doing, not only in this building, but through us as a people in our city, in our community, in Knoxville and the surrounding areas. I wanna join in your mission of connecting people to you. And so if you came prepared today to give an offering and you prefer cash and check, uh, you can do so when you leave by putting it in the popcorn buckets in the back. If you filled out one of those physical connect cards, will somebody hold one up for me just so you guys know where they are? All right. They're right in front of you. Yep, right there. They look like that. They're teal. They're directly in front of you in the pews or in the seats. If you filled one of those out and would like to get more involved or have, have me reach out and connect with you or just want to become more a part of this church, you can put that card in the offering bucket as well when you leave. And if you prefer to give online or filled out your connect card online, all of that you can do at thepointknox.com. However you give and whatever you give, know this. It's not to get God's love but because we already have it. Thank you. Well, every week we invite you to send in questions. And uh, since Emily is in Austin right now visiting her family, I think her sister graduated from college this weekend. Adam, if you scoot a little closer for the camera's sake so they can see you there. Yeah. They don't want to see you. They don't want to see me, but they're stuck with us. So if you don't know, this is Adam. Uh, I'm also Adam. There are two Adams. And this Adam is starting seminary in the fall. And so soon we're going to have two pastor Adams. Not confusing at all. Um, but since Emily is gone, Adam's going to read the questions you sent in, and uh, hopefully they're not too difficult. Yeah, they took it easy on you this week. Took it easy. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. Actually, one comment, one question. So uh, the comment is, thank you, Point, for lifting us up where we belong. Many say that parts, books of the Bible were removed. So the question is, what is your take on this? If you believe this, then who removed them? Why were they removed? Was this disrespectful to God? Does this mean some truths were omitted? Is it a lie by omitting it on purpose? That's and I'm going to stand over here. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of questions all in one. So to summarize, is the Bible that we have accurate or are there pieces that are missing? And why did those pieces go missing if they are missing? Well, there's, uh, to that answer, the answer is yes, right? 
the one we have is accurate and there are pieces missing. So let me clarify. Um, there are some books like the Gospel of Thomas that have been discovered in the last hundred years that people say these things belong in Scripture. Uh, and, and they argue that because things like the Gospel of Thomas are not in Scripture, then all of Scripture can't be trustworthy. Well, the truth of the matter is uh, it took the church several hundred years of debate and discussion to figure out what is actually Scripture. And there was a whole list of things that were included. Um, there were five different reasons. They said this makes something Scripture or not. It was a big process, not a light decision. And things like the Gospel of Thomas, which is often used to refute that Jesus was man, but more he just looked like man, um, they actually weren't even written at the time the Bible came to be. And so the earliest we have from, of that example is from the 700s, and the Bible as we know it was formed as early as about the mid-300s, so almost 350 years prior. Um, so some of the reason things have been excluded is because we have no idea who wrote it, or the earliest evidence we can have of it being written is long after the Bible came to be, or because it clearly was not written by somebody who was there and present and knows the story, because it's not confirmable by any history or by any of the rest of the stories. Um, so yes, some things were excluded. And then you can get to things like the Apocrypha. If you read a Catholic Bible, they have books that we don't have and most Christians don't have in their Bible. And that's called the Apocrypha. I think it's 12, maybe 14 books. And these books were all books that the church said, hey, they're really good books, they're really beneficial, but they're not the same as Scripture. And so using that same standard, same process, they said, we're not going to include them. Now, Catholics include them in their Bible because the, for the Catholic Church, everything the church has ever said or done is true and is from God. And so they include them to say this is equally from God as all those other things. Uh, we would say they're just helpful but not necessary and not, not on the same level as Scripture. Not canon. Not canon is the technical word, yes. Uh, but to you, to, for you and I, how do we know we can trust the Bible? Uh, two things. First and foremost, there's a lot of scholarly evidence a lot of physical manuscripts, over 10,000 individual pieces of really, really, really old documents to prove like a lot of what we see there is true. And so in addition to the scholarly, there's a second way we can trust our Bible. You ready for it? Faith. Faith is believing that which you cannot see. And faith is trusting that our same God who can conquer the grave is capable of using uh, hundreds of different people over the course of thousands of years to write one consistent narrative that tells us the story of God the creator, the redeemer, and the restorer who's coming for us to restore all of creation. If you have more questions about that, please, we would love to dive in and talk with you about it. You're welcome to text in questions anytime during the week, and we'll do our best to respond either next Sunday or uh, during the week. Were there any question, other questions after that one? That was it. The only one for the week, yeah. Awesome. I have a question. You have a question. Uh, does, does, does that make you like the old Adam? <laughs> yes. So now that we're going to have two like pastors, uh, if you want to know the difference, you've got the old Adam and the new Adam. And if you don't understand what that means in scripture, the old Adam's referred to as the one who's really sinful and the new Adam's referred to as Jesus. So I'm certainly the old one and you're a little closer to the new. All right. That's a big bar. Thank you for that.
Now, church, as you go this week, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.